it felt like I got to have more. It's like eating chips. You don't stop until the bag is done. So I was eating all of the chips in the White Lotus bag, and then the bag ran out. Welcome to another episode of Streamed and Screamed, the podcast from Lee Enterprises, all about movies and TV shows and such that are screening in theaters and streaming at home and, you know, just zooming around in the, the cultural ether. It is hosted by Bruce Miller, longtime entertainment journalist and editor at the Sioux City Journal, and me, Chris Lay, I'm the podcast operations manager for Lee Enterprises. This week, we are talking about a new season of a show that Tony Hale is on on Disney Plus, and we'll have an interview with him at the, the end of the episode here. But we're also going to be spending a lot of time talking about the latest season of White Lotus, which premieres this weekend on HBO Max. HBO. Yeah, Bruce has been... I just, you know what I did? When I got the tapes, I thought, you know what? I'm just digging in. And so I dug in and I've seen all but the end of it. So I can't tell you how it ends because I don't know. And I'm assuming that that's by design from HBO. They'll let it out at some point. But um, this one is set in Italy. Let's go back real quick because not everybody necessarily maybe knows about White Lotus, even though it won a ton of Emmys. Can. Yeah. It just randomly got picked up as a, a COVID show, basically, something that HBO could produce and, you know, in, in a confined location with everyone being tested pretty consistently. It's from Mike White, who, where, where would people know Mike White from, Bruce? He did a lot of film comedies and it, they were very indie kind of things. He's been on The Amazing Race as just a, a contestant. With his dad, right? Yeah, I think so. He's played quirky characters and things, and you would look at him and think, well, he can't produce something like this. And he's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant director and writer. He was one of the, the early writers on Freaks and Geeks, and then uh, another HBO show of his called Enlightened, starring Laura Dern, which very much like Freaks and Geeks, it had a, uh, a rabid cult audience, and White Lotus is definitely a breakthrough for him. He was before his time, and now time has caught up to him. Agree, 100%. So bring us up to speed without being necessarily too spoilery, maybe, because no. it's an anthology series, so everything's going to change. There's going to be only a few consistent things, and the White Lotus is a chain of hotels. Right. They are four-season hotels, and they just put their, their markings over it so it says White Lotus. The first one was set in Hawaii, and this one is set in Italy. And it's people, basically rich, obnoxious people who go to these resorts and kind of are demanding. They want everything. And in the first season, you had um, Steve Zahn and Connie Britton as a couple with two kids and then a friend of one of their, their daughters who were kind of just mm, obnoxious. And then you had Jennifer Coolidge who was looking for you know happiness in her life. She wanted somebody in her life she tried to work a deal with the uh, massage therapist there about, oh, I'll, I'll fund your business and I'll help you out. And then she bailed on her. Well, what it starts out is that there is a death. At the beginning of the show, there is a death. And you don't know who is this one. There were a, a newlywed couple that, that were there. 
They seem to not get along. So you could guess that anybody could have been potentially the dead person that we heard about at the beginning. And um, then you got to see what the behind the scenes action was like with the people who worked at the White Lotus. And they were wild too. Murray Bartlett won an Emmy for playing the manager. Jennifer Coolidge won an Emmy for playing Tanya, the obnoxious guest. So that all ended. And now this year, they're going to Italy where another White Lotus is. And Jennifer Coolidge is the only one who's coming back. But she's got a boyfriend slash husband that she's bringing with. And she has this desire to be like Monica Vitti. I want to be like I'm in an Italian film. <laughs> I want to have, I want to ride a Vespa. I want the scarf to be flowing and I'll be smoking a cigarette. And her intended is not all that keen on what she wants to do. So she thinks she needs to look for other people to help her find that kind of Italian spark. Then there are two rich couples in this new one, Theo James and uh, Megan Fahey. And then um, Aubrey Plaza, if you remember her from Parks and Rec, and Will Sharp are another couple. The two guys are supposedly friends and supposedly really, really rich. And they want to have this good time, but there really isn't a connection. They don't seem like they'd be natural friends. They were college roommates, the two guys. And it just seems like one wants to try and act like he's better than the other one. And then you get a grandfather, a father, and the grandson are all there. They want to do kind of fun Italian things. They thought that the mother of the boy was going to come with, and she's mad at her husband, played by Michael Imperioli from Sopranos, for cheating on her. And so she's not coming. So it's basically three generations together in Italy, and they decide that they're going to look for the scenes where the Godfather was shot. <laughs> the thing that makes this very interesting, and there's a, a manager of the thing, and she's kind of brusque, and she shuts down everybody, and she tries to act like, no, we've got to have these standards and whatnot. Well, there are two women from town who are basically prostitutes, and they work their way through all these people somehow, and they become the, the catalyst for change in a lot of people. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. I haven't told you anything that happens, but there is somebody who's dead at the beginning. Yeah. So just like the other one, we don't know who it is. The first season, it was originally structured as a limited series. So set beginning, middle, and an end. And then once it became a success, it was, okay, we're, we're now going to make this into a, an anthology series. From what you've seen, and just like the first season, I would imagine that the final episode is going to pull the rug out from under and, you know, shift a lot of things. <laughs> there was a, a real eye opener in the last episode of the first season where you go, really? They're getting by with doing this on, yeah. on camera? Really? Yep. The show was something of, of lightning in a bottle. And my question to you, this is the, the top question that I've got is, and it's a yes or no, so don't worry. Yeah. Based on everything that you've seen, does the show have that same energy and magic from the first season? Yes. And the reason I think it works, even though it, it seems like you're going on Fantasy Island or Love Boat, it the setup is very similar. You know, they come in a boat, they greet them on the on the shore. 
these are kind of obnoxious people. It seems like it's the same concept. Where it veers is in the way they tell the stories. And they all have great lines. I mean, the lines are incredible. Now, this one is more about cheating than anything else. There's a lot of cheating going on. And the two kind of prostitute types, they're making out like bandits. They're stealing from these people by just signing for everything at the gift shop, the dress shop that's related to the hotel, at the jewelers. So they're really taking advantage of these people and they don't realize it. I would imagine that they don't care. Well, they don't want to call them on it because then it looks like they were being duped by two prostitutes. <laughs> so they don't want to admit that. But at least as far as I've gotten, they've been paying the bills and just being quiet about it. But there's also, oh boy, how do I say this? There's a lot of cheating going on. And somebody cheats and then it, it gets revealed to people that they're cheating on. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like such a big deal. The first season had a certain sexiness to it, but the second season looks like it is going to be not necessarily explicit. There's nudity. There's quite a bit of nudity throughout the whole thing. But, you know, I'm not going to the White Lotus for a vacation either. So it's a different a different animal there that's frequenting this. And it's amazing how the, the young boy in the group of three, the grandfather, the father, and the son, he's like a college, recent college graduate. And he, to me, now this is just early in, I don't know if it continues. He seems like the most centered, the most realistic of all of the people. The rest of them all have these odd dreams and visions and whatnot, then he meets somebody there that could possibly be the person that he would match up with. But he also is grazed by the prostitute. So who knows? Theo James, three, you know, Theo James, he's been in a lot of, he's British. He's been in a lot of, a lot of shows where he doesn't have clothes on, to be honest with you. <laughs> okay. And he is like something that you cannot stand. I mean, if I were to pick anybody out of this, you go, oh, my God, I hate that guy. I hate that guy. <laughs> so he's really good at playing obnoxiously rich. And he's just, you know, nothing will graze him. He can do whatever he wants. And his wife seems to go along with it. She's all right with this kind of stuff. But it's a, it's a look at a world that we don't get to see. And it's fun to see Italy. That looks pretty cool. And to see those Godfather things, it's very, very cool how they pull that off and how touristy that's become. So that's kind of fun. And Jennifer Coolidge, she steals it. She can get another Emmy nomination. She can easily win another Emmy because she's just so goofy. And she starts picking up with other people. And these other people who think that she is so glamorous and she's got everything going for her. And she's like, oh my God, you're just wonderful. Come join us at the, you know, our villa and we're going to have a wonderful night. And you're thinking, I think a shoe's going to drop here somewhere. Let's go to the opera. And she's game for all of this. Yeah. Is she being taken advantage of? We don't know yet. So it's good. I sat and watched four hours, like right away because it didn't, there was not any kind of like, okay, I feel like a sense of closure. 
it felt like I got to have more. It's like eating chips. You don't stop until the bag is done. So I was eating all of the chips in the white Lotus bag and then the bag ran out. And now you're going to have to wait. I'm waiting. Way longer than everybody else. <laughs> right. Then I have to go back and rewatch just to be able to catch me up with what's going on. Yeah. I find it strange though that these people are always eating at the hotel. It's like a cruise ship where they're always at the hotel eating and they see these other people who they met in the beginning. And you think, come on, does nobody go in town for a meal? But I guess that's a device. That's one of his devices to keep them all together. One of the things that I really appreciated about the first season and so much of the conversations around the show were about how it seemed like it was like it made a soap opera almost out of, you know, rich people, but also showing just how incredibly vapid and and horrible they they can be without necessarily understanding the the degrees to which they're being malicious. I mean, specifically with Jennifer Coolidge's character, like you mentioned, where with the the masseuse who she's like, oh, yeah, I'll just, you know, I'll set you up with your dream job. Yeah, I'll bankroll this whole thing. And then this woman thinks that her entire life is going to change. And she can leave her job. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I decided against it. Yeah. And there's no real turmoil from Jennifer Coolidge's standpoint, her character, because, you know, whatever money she was promising is is not necessarily this significant drop in in the larger bucket for her for her money doesn't have value exactly for the woman that she was going to give it to it was like oh my god this is my way out for her it was just nah, I, I decided against it yeah and that was crushing really crushing yeah but in this one i don't see i i just see him throwing a lot of money around and the two prostitutes are spending it like crazy and you're thinking, wouldn't this be like a, a red flag on your account? You'd say, <laughs> we have like $10,000 from the dress shop. Are you sure you're approving of this, this expenditure? But, you know, that's how it goes. My favorite character in the first season was the one played by Murray Bartlett. Yeah. Armand. Is there anyone that is as madcap as, as he is? There are these group of people that Jennifer Coolidge meets and um, they could easily be that because they're kind of party people, if you will, and nothing is too wild for them. And I think it could be uh, the the manager of the hotel is just as as kind of frustrated as he was by some of the guests, but she's more frustrated by the people who work for her. Like I say, I would have finished it all out if I had all of it. I would have watched every single episode because it it moves that well. And he does a flawless job of ending one episode and making you really hungry for the next one. And the next run pays off until you get to the end and then you want another one. It's very addictive, addictive uh, television. I am very much looking forward to to this series starting up again. And I'm sure that we will come back to this. And I mean, I don't, I don't want to get too far ahead, but I'm, you know, I expect that it'll be towards the top of a lot of people's year in lists or at least within the conversation. All roads lead to the white Lotus. That's the way it is. 
your lips to God's ears. I, I would love <laughs> to get there eventually. And I thought F. Marie Abraham was a real good kind of old guy bragging about his past. And I still got it. I still got it. You know, and it's like, all right, I get this. I get what they're doing. But there are different characters. It's not like they just took a template and said, okay, we need to have a rich family that's really screwed up. We need to have a single woman who's screwed up. We need to have a young couple that aren't getting along, but just got married, screwed up. You know, they don't just do that. They aren't falling in categories, but they do have wealth in common. Good. Good for them and good for us that the show is coming out. So that's the White Lotus, and that starts this week. Be ready for it. So tell me about this other new show that is coming out with a, a new season on Disney+. Plus. The Mysterious Benedict Society. The Mysterious Benedict Society. Yeah. Two brothers, both played by Tony Hale, are kind of in competition with each other. They're trying to thwart each other, and there's this mystery they need to solve. And one brother brings in these four kids who are part of the Mysterious Benedict Society, and they are good at solving problems. And it's like, whoa, these are intense. When they're looking at the ceiling and they could figure out a map to something, just by looking at the ceiling, you go, really? I didn't, I didn't see that. But um, Tony Hill plays two characters, and it, they are very different characters. And in the interview that I did with him, you'll hear him talk about differentiating characters and how you do that. And for him, it's all about posture. The posture is what helps him get into a character. It looks like it's made for kids, but I enjoyed it. Based on your description and the little bit that I've seen online, it looks, makes me think of the Lemony Snicket series unfortunate events yeah and this is based on a book series so you know if you're into that and you've been reading these things it might be a great place for you to look well great but i think it's more adult than um i thought it was going to be well i'm excited uh to dive in on that and i'll give it a watch get caught up on the first season the first two episodes are both releasing at the same time and both of those will be out i think as of today that we are recording the Mysterious Benedict Society on Disney+. Plus. You know, if you remember, Tony Hale won two Emmys for playing Gary on Veep. He played the assistant to um, Selena Kyle, the vice president, then later president. And he talks about how all those characters, how he keeps them straight and what he does with them. It's fascinating, fascinating. So please listen to that because I do think he has a good take on it. And he's forky, in case you didn't know. I am aware. Yes, he's trash. Yeah. <laughs> we will be back in just a second with the interview that Bruce did with Tony Hale, all about the mysterious Benedict Society. How are you, Tony? Great, I hope. Great. How are you? Uh, you know, it's Monday. It's a Monday. So that's how that goes. How good would you be at being a member of the Benedict Society? Would you be good at it? Or was this like, oh, God, no? That's a great question, Bruce. I don't think I'd be a great member. I don't, I, when um, they go in some pretty sticky situations, and I'd probably be the guy that's like, let's just call it a day. <laughs> let's just let somebody else do this. I see food. Let's go get the food, right? Let's, 
call in the authorities, guys. This isn't our job to do. So how is it actually acting against yourself or opposite yourself? Is that difficult or not really? You know, there's certain things that I would do, like curtain is so, because the whole idea of this season is the difference between kind of true happiness and an idea of happiness that curtain is selling. And so curtain is very kind of good posture and, but it's like, you can see the cracks in the veneer and like, and like when he's talking to somebody, he's not really listening. He's just kind of talking at them. Whereas Benedict is so empathetic and his posture is so weighted down just because he's carrying his mission. And I kind of remember these certain things and then that kind of helps me get into it. Because you do so many characters. I mean, God, just think of the ones you do for all of the, the voiceovers. Oh yeah. How do you keep them all straight? Do you, do you have a book where you look at it or do you take clips and look back at these things to remember how to do it when you go back to something? Yeah, I think I have to, um, I think I have, like when, when I do animation, they'll always play a voice that I did. And so it'll help me match it. And then I'll typically have to, like I'll, before, if we're coming back to something, I'll watch the previous season to kind of get back in the rhythms, you know? But I think maybe I'm just a mess, Bruce. I might just be. <laughs> I, well, do you like have little quirks that you say, this belongs to this one, this belongs to that oh, one? Oh, yes, yes. Like, for instance, Buster on Arrested Development, he was always in a state of defense. And so his hands would go back and his chin would go back. And he was always like, what's coming at me? And so I would always like be in this posture a lot. Whereas Benedict was always hunched over because he just he loved people so much. But he just like carried the weight of him, you know, all the time. And he always kind of wanted to be lower than everybody. Whereas Gary was also like that on deep. His posture was bad. Because he never wanted, he, the thought of him being above Selena was like a nightmare. He always wanted to be below her. So if he could have cut off like a foot from his height, he would have. Because he hated being above her. So it's all about posture is what you're telling me. There's a lot of posture and there's a lot of um, like curtain, for instance, his diction is a lot more clear. Whereas Benedict, Benedict kind of speaks like from the back of the throat where he's like, yes, yes, yes where Curtin gets a little up here. And he's like, yes, and his a little more nasally. Okay, do you have a brother or a sister in real life? I do. I have a brother who's a lawyer in Atlanta and a sister is a social worker in Raleigh, North Carolina. Can you relate to any of these kind of relationships that they have? Oh, what do you mean that they have? The characters, the characters in-, in Oh, 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 oh. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like, there. I mean, there's a lot more trauma in the Benedict brothers. Um, but that kind of, um, even though we're different, really wanting to connect like that blood, the bloodline, you know, like we're brothers and it's just, that is a foundational thing that we, that no one ever has that, that other people don't have that we have. Yeah. I, have you ever played opposite yourself before, or is this the first time? Uh, I think this is the first time. Yeah. This is the first time. Wow. Because it's, it, you, you definitely do see depth two distinct characters in this mm. oh that's really, good really yeah it's 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 remarkable you're very good at it but the kids have gotten so big this season yeah so big what's up with that i mean next year are they going to be driving and what's up with people getting older and like growing? it is not good i do not like it right <laughs> um by the way you have incredible hair you've held on it looks amazing and men across the world are like jealous of your follicles thank you uh, for that i needed something <laughs> I mean, yeah, those, those kids I are. Need, I need to throw bot, right? Uh, 
but working with kids like that, does it really change your dynamic with them at all? You know, a lot of the season we've been kidnapped and they're, they're trying to find us. So we don't have as much with them. Um, but they're just like, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for kids in this business because I started off when I was much older in my 30s, now my late 20s. And it's like a, it's a hard business to be a kid in. You know, there's a lot coming at you and they really handle it beautifully. Well, I, hey, you kind of do too, but I'm not going to throw that out there because you might get a big head out of it. But <laughs> thank you so much. It's so Thanks, fun to Chris. see this character. And, you know, you are the kind of actor that you think, I cannot see you as anything else but one character, right? Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. you go and you do another one. And you think, I can't see him anything else but that character. And oh. now you throw two at us. And it's like, oh, my God, how could I do anything more than this? So oh, Bruce, you know, you're one of those. Thank you very much. That means a lot, man. Seriously. Well, you know, from my hair to your life. <laughs> Enjoy. Thanks so Please much. hold on to it. All right. Nice seeing you. Well, thank you so much uh, to Tony Hale for, for his time having a chat with Bruce. And thank you, Bruce, for hanging out and talking about all this fun stuff. And we've got White Lotus coming out this weekend on HBO. Mysterious Benedict Society is out there on Disney Plus as of right now, the first two episodes of the new season. What do we got next week, Bruce? Really, the big ones coming are Wakanda Forever, The Fablemans, which already right now is at leading the pack for best picture. And there'll be more like that, that are, you know, like I say, it'll ebb and flow. We'll see what happens with that, but we're starting into that season as we get into, can I say it? Thanksgiving. Yeah. That's the big time when we're going to see a lot of movies and we'll be talking movies like you can't believe. I would say there's almost too much. I mean, we've got what Banshees of Inishirin is out after sun is out. Uh, and if you're lucky enough to live in a place where those are playing, where, you know, Black Adam isn't on 75% of the screens. We're back in the theaters. I really think that's a good thing because when everything's kind of spilling out onto streaming services, did it seem special? Probably not. And now when we're, you know, it's kind of like, we're going to theaters, we're going to see them there it's going to make this whole period seem a lot better than it did last year. And for the the bonus episode that I'm recording with Jared, everybody remembers Jared. We love Jared is going to be all about Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, the scary anthology horror series, very similar to Alfred Hitchcock Presents. So we're going to be talking about that, ranking those and throwing them out there. So make sure that you are subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And give us a rating, a review, et cetera. We will have links to everything we talked about in the show notes. You can find all that there. Sign up for HBO in advance so you can get caught up on White Lotus if you haven't already. You do me a favor when you talk to Jeremy. Ask him why he thinks Pinocchio is so good. Because I think that's going to be a non-starter. Which Pinocchio, though? Guillermo's Pinocchio. No, that was me that said that. He thinks it's good, too. Then you're wrong. <laughs> I, think I think it's a non-starter of all the people who have tried to put their their fingerprints on the pinocchio geppetto uh jimmy cricket story i feel like guillermo del toro is going to be the one who gets how incredibly messed up the story is as well as the the emotional core of it i mean this is the guy who made us legitimately 
see a love story between a woman and a fish monster and won an Oscar for it. A wooden boy. Okay. Listen, if I am wrong and this thing tanks, feel free to lord it over me for the rest of my life. But is it going to be Oscar worthy? Is it going to be, you know, the, the movie of the year? I doubt it. But I'm just saying it's going to be better than you think it is. At the very right. least, it is going to be better than you are expecting. I am voting no on Pinocchio. <laughs> You're putting the no in Pinocchio. Right. And I have approved <laughs> this message. And I'm voting Pieskio. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. You are so bad. And that comes out early December. So we, we've got a ways to go to argue over that. This will be, it'll be just like the election. It'll keep us going. Oh yeah, yeah. Hopefully by then we'll know how, how Georgia worked out. Yeah, and I can say, oh, that Guillermo, very radical. <laughs> He's doing very terrible things. Don't vote for him. We'll have links to everything in the show notes. So check all that out there. What is it we always say, Bruce? Something good, stream something good. See something good, stream something good. And we'll be back next week. I want to be like I'm in an Italian film. I want to ride a Vespa. I want the scarf to be flowing and I'll be smoking a cigarette.